Welcome to Satisfied. This is Nick Jackson, pastor of Timberline Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington. And this is Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship in Hillsboro, Oregon. Hey, in today's uh, episode, our topic is a Christian K-12 academic education. And we have with us today Travis Cook. Travis is uh, actually just completed his first year as, as headmaster at St. Stephen's Academy. This is where my kids go to school. Um, Travis has three children. Five. I, that's what I said. <laughs> Five children. Um, uh, but oh, okay, so four in school. Do, yes. do, do four, you know this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Gaither, nice to meet nice you. Bobby. Yes. Uh, so five children, uh, he's married, uh, he's a connoisseur of craft coffee and craft beer. I mean, what's not to like about this What else guy? do we need to know? Yeah, that's, that's what we need to know right there. Um, and so Travis, it's, it's a delight uh, to have you on today. Uh, and we just want to, let's just begin by broaching the subject and, and really, I mean, just pointing at the elephant in the room because this is a sensitive issue, like especially for Christians uh, do I send my kids to private school? What does it mean if I send my kids to private school? Are we, uh, and, and I'm just putting them out there and, and do this with me. Uh, uh, how, do, how do you be in the world and not of the world? Are we putting our kids in a Christian bubble? Can we afford to send our kids to private school? Are we abandoning the mission of public if, if we take our kids out of public school, are we abandoning mission? Uh, what's the role of parenting and choosing the school? So those are some of the things, I mean, as you guys think about education and schooling, what are some of those um, issues that as parents thinking or think, think through public education or private education uh, that are in front of you? Yeah, I, mean, I think every parent comes to the some point. I think we start out thinking... Uh, either we loved the education that we got or we hated the education that we got, and we either want to do the same thing with our kids or we want to do something completely different with our kids. Um, I think that was that was our experience, my wife and I, as we thought about our education. And so, yeah, you have to work through then that that series of questions about what that's going to look like and, and what you're trying to accomplish in the education of your kids. Um, and you've just raised a whole host of yeah. thorny and, and complicated and, and really, really important questions that, yeah. that relate to those decisions. Well, well, why don't you pick out one? Like, uh, so, well, you know what? I'll pick out one. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, like, I do like the question. I know for me, uh, it, it was, it was, you know, my, my kids, my kids don't need Christian education in the sense of, you know, I, I know we're, we're teaching them at home. We're teaching them at, at, at church, no problem being, being at a public school. Uh, but what, what do we need to be aware of now? Uh, and especially we're in the Northwest, so this might be different conversations in different parts of the country, but where we're located, what do we need to be thinking? If, if we're a parent here and we're thinking, okay, am I going to put my kid in, in public school? What do I need to be aware of? Um, what might begin? Yeah, why don't we just start there? What do I need to be aware of? What do I need to know about that kind of decision versus then going into a, a Christian school? So uh, you know, I would start with the... the and we can talk more about this, but the, the biblical admonition for us is to educate our mm -hmm. children yeah. Christianly. And, and that doesn't, it, there's nothing about Christian schools in the Bible, but I think that you have to start with that commitment that we are going to educate <clears throat> our children Christianly, whatever that's going to look like. And, and then when you start to look at things like environment, culture, curriculum, mm -hmm. and those sorts of things, then you have to ask, is, is this something that's going to help me educate my children Christianly, is this something that's going to be create obstacles, and and what am I going to do, in in uh, in the face of those obstacles? How am I going to address those particular things? So, uh, you you also have to recognize, as you've said, Nick, that the the assumptions and the foundation and the philosophy of education that we encounter when we go to public schools in the Portland area is, I would say, in many ways anti. Christian, um, or at least it's built on a set of assumptions that are yeah. would be entirely inconsistent with what God's Word yeah. says. So that, that doesn't mean that someone can't send their kids to a public school and still compensate for those things and educate their children mm -hmm. Christianly. Mm -hmm. um, 
but parents have to realize that when you're putting your children uh, for seven hours a day, uh, 170 yeah. days a yeah. year in that environment, that's going to present some challenges that you have to be prepared for. And, and just re- to, and to qualify, as I was saying, like, I, I thought that, yeah, we were just going to do public school. And I mean, I thought we were going to be just fine. And then with a lot of the situations and things that, that we experienced in our public school, I realized that, wow, I, I don't think we are as yeah. equipped, either my children and my wife and I at times, for the for the constant situations and conversations that we were having. And so that's what then really led us. I mean, we're, we're, in, a, we're in a private Christian school now, and that's what moved us to that conversation, realizing, yeah. wow, um, uh, it, it, it is hard at times. And, and in our place, it was it was very hard in the public school. And so we, we did see definitely a benefit to, uh, to be a part of a Christian school that would support and align within the teachings that we were doing at home and at the church. Uh, because it, it was, and I think you said it well, very anti-Christian where we were. And and it seemed like an agenda at times was was being pressed that way, and it was just it was a it was a lot for our family. So we we made the choice to go Christian school. Yeah, and I think I think maybe we had some of that conversation before we hit record. Is that right? So I'm just trying to think: Are they caught up to? See, what, to what you are you jumping doing? You in? can't talk about pre conversations. Ah, well, that's what I'm saying. Um, so there was a conversation before we hit record where where Nick began explaining to to Travis. Right? Do you, do you want me to just do I, that? Real I, quick? I think you should. I think just just to catch up. Go ahead. Don't touch my coffee. Um, so we, uh, so basically, my wife and I were up here in the Northwest in Washington. We have three kids. Uh, we were in, we were in a public school. We really liked it. We moved. We uh, changed. We moved just across uh, district lines, and so our kids went to another school. And as our kids were going there, it was hard. Um, it was it was a very um, different environment. Um, but then what was being pressed socially, um, the, uh, I'm trying to figure out how I want to say all the things. Um, well, I mean, the, the main thing that's being pressed socially right now is the transgender issue. It was, it was very, um, in your face there. It was not a peripheral issue. It was being put front and center by the school, but also by, by the kids. I mean, I had, let's see, my oldest son would have been in third grade at that time. Uh, there was a boy next to him who very much uh, began dressing like a girl, uh, painting his nails. And my son came home and we had a lot of questions, which is good. Like, I don't mind the questions, but it was coming at all different angles on a constant basis, uh, whether it was from the school, whether it was from substitutes, yeah. whether it was from the students, um, uh, there was a lot of angles. So there, there was that issue, definitely the transgender and, and everything down that, uh, yeah. whole vein. And then there was a whole lot of other issues that was just coming down, uh, parent or the teacher to child ratio. And even I would say there are good, there are good teachers in public school, definitely. But, as we've now moved over to a Christian school, the love and the relationship that those teachers have with our kids is very, very yeah. different. The way they pray with them and for them, um, that has just been so helpful. And so when we were in the public school, we then made the t- decision uh, to go to private school because it was it was too much for us to keep up with, and it was going too much against yeah. just our values on a regular basis, uh, and we wanted to make sure that education was aligning uh, with the church, with what we were teaching uh, at home, as well as at the school. So then we made that jump, and it has been great, and our kids have flourished yeah. since we've done that. Yeah, and I, I want to say two things, and I'll briefly encapsulate our story as well. One, if you don't, if you don't shepherd, if you don't intentionally parent your children, the culture will. Your, your children will be discipled. They'll be discipled by the culture or by you. And, and here's the thing, and this is what, what Travis was alluding to earlier, where we put our kids during the day for seven, eight hours a day, they're being discipled. They're, huge. They, they are being taught. 
and and we teach our children to to listen to and respect authority. And here's the thing, just just where they're at um, in their learning style, especially as elementary education is, it's concrete thinking, right? They're 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 given things that they're accepting and believing is truth because the authority is telling them this is what's true. And so you have to also put that, you have to uh, um, understand what that means for when the, uh, like for example, the city of Hillsborough, uh, Hillsborough School District is rolling out a sex education program that, that flies in the face of what we would and how we would teach uh, uh, human sexuality. So they're going to hear one message at school, and it's going to be for seven, eight hours. For seven, a day. eight hours a day, and it's going to be consistently different from what we believe. So let's come back to to Travis then. So those are a little bit of our stories, and 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 why then we've chosen Christian education. Can you walk us through uh, what I mean? What, what's a good way to start the bin- I- Go ahead. Well, I, I would just say that I mean, there's a couple of issues here at play. One is, you know, the the issue of escape. And, and I think that, that there are reasons to be concerned about the curriculum and about the culture uh, that, that we see around us, and which is honestly just reflected in the public school. I think the public school in some ways is a driver, in Very some much. ways it's a mirror of our culture. Um, and so there's that aspect of what are we, try- what are we trying to, to protect our kids from? And, and then the other aspect is what are we, what are we positively trying to accomplish in our, w- with our children? And that's really where, where my wife and I started in our conversation about how we were going to educate our kids is does God say anything about education and about the purpose of education and the goals of education in the scripture? And, and I think that he does in lots of different places. So a couple of things that I would point to, one of them is, is Jesus' words that the, the student will become like his teacher mm. or her teacher. And so I think that's something that you have to take really seriously. What sorts of teachers then do I want in my children's life? I want teachers in my child's life that I want my child to be like. I want my child to think the way that, that, that his or her teachers think. I want my child to act the way I want them to have the same values that their teachers have. And so that's, a, that's more, much more of a positive. So, so I'm going to begin to look around, survey the landscape, and see, well, where can I find those kinds of teachers? I think another one that we've hit at several different ways now is this question of enculturation. And that's another thing that God talks about, Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, 4, that fathers uh, ought to raise up their children in the, uh, the discipline or, or nurture or training and instruction of the Lord. And, and that's a, that, that Greek word that's translated as, as train or, or nurture or discipline is, is the word paideia. And in the classical culture, in Greek culture, paideia was the training program, the discipline program, where you would take a child and you would make them into a, an, an excellent Greek. Hmm. And so there was also this whole program of education, the paideia of these children, the, the nurture, the training, the discipline, the instruction, the enculturation, the, the, the making them into what we all agreed we wanted them to be. And so when Paul sa- takes that word from Greek culture and says, fathers, train up your children in the paideia of the Lord, a Christian paideia, that's something that's, that's a really powerful and, and positive command. I think that, yeah. that, you know, there are, there are lots of things that, that God leaves up to us to choose, you know, what kind of car you're going to buy and where, what, you know, what house you're going to get and, and what you're going to eat for dinner. There are other things that God doesn't leave up to us to choose. And, and this is one of those things, I think, that, that the idea of educating Christianly and yeah. enculturating our children into, into Christian culture, not, and I'm not talking about sort of pop, you know, American evangelicalism, I'm talking about a, a true, the, the discipline of the Lord and the nurture of the Lord. So, so how, do we, how do we accomplish that, then, is the question. How do we put them with teachers who are going to that we want them to be like, and how are we going to ensure that we're doing the things that we need to do in order to bring them up in the discipline of the Lord? So I've, I've had a friend of mine that said, if you were going to hire a, a babysitter for the for the evening, and you and your wife were going to go out to dinner, how important would it be that that babysitter is a Christian? And 
we would probably say, well, if it's a, someone I trust, it's a neighbor or something like that, they're going to be spending the evening and the goal is that they would keep the child safe, but they're not going to have a massive influence on my children in, in three hours or three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I was going to go away on a vacation for a week with my wife and leave my kids with someone else, how important would it be that, that they mm-hmm. stay with a Christian family? And again, I think you could say, well, that might be preferable. I would want them to go uh, to worship on Sunday. And you know, if they were with a non-Christian family, they might not do that. But again, it's, I could probably make a case for the fact that it wouldn't be critical. But if I was going to leave my children with someone for eight hours a day, every day for 12 years, yeah. I mean, now we're talking about something on a scale that's completely different. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good du- picture. Like, yeah, just a really good way just to think through that. I think of Deuteronomy, right? I mean, the, the instruction to parents to instruct their children in the Lord, I mean, was from the beginning. I'm just going to read this real quick. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, like all the time. We're to be teaching our children the ways of God. You should write them on the doorposts of your house and upon your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord, the Lord had sworn to your fathers to give them. So there's this idea that we're to continually disciple, continually teach our children from the moment we rise to the moment we go to bed, write, write his laws frontlets on our eyes, bind them, write them on our hand, bind them to our heart. Um, and how does that get accomplished between the hours of eight and three? Uh, when when they're not in a place where where they're being encouraged uh, and being taught the word. Well, you know, and and uh, for man camp, we were in the book of Proverbs. The whole book of Proverbs is is written for boys who are becoming men. I mean, it's my son, my son, my son throughout the whole book. Um, it's written for the purpose of educating and. And the, the essence there is that we train them up in the fear of the Lord, that they would know who God is and they would live appropriately and accordingly to that knowledge. Um, that's, I mean, a, that's a great point, Nick. And, and Proverbs really is a, a, a Christian curriculum in a, in is, a way. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole um, co- it's a, I mean, it's a collection of uh, statements and observations that are designed to educate yeah. And to orient the student toward the world in such a way that they would rightly understand who God is and who they are and what their purpose is in life. And, you know, Proverbs begins and ends with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the yeah. Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And I, I think that's, you know, that's another part. I mean, we've been talking about the cultural aspect, but there's also the academic aspect and, and teaching students. How, how do we teach our children that there is nothing in the world, there's nothing yeah. in creation that isn't related to God. Right. And if you send them mm-hmm. again, if you send them for seven or eight hours a day, where the the constant message to them is no, God has really nothing to do with science yeah. or yeah. math or music or or history or geography or anything. You know, again, I'm not saying that that a parent, a, a, a wise and and dedicated and incredibly energetic parent couldn't undo <laughs> all of that. Yeah. But, but for me, I don't have, I don't have the, the ability to, to undo that in the two or two or three hours that I spend with my kids in the evening. Well, and we don't know also what happens during that school day as well. Uh, you know, like when our kids are there for seven or eight hours a day, we only get bits and pieces of that when we're at home with them later that night, especially, you know, you, when you get home, yeah. you, you probably have the window from, I don't know, six to eight before your kids are starting. I, to- I would say the most important things are the things you don't hear about because they're the assumptions that are presented that underlie yeah. the things that they, that, that, are, that they're being taught Very all true. day long. And so those are the hardest things. They're the hardest things to identify and they're the hardest things to address. And I had a friend of mine who, by, by the way, my wife went all the way through public school, K through 12. Yeah. I had a mix of Christian school, homeschool, and public school. So I, I was like a hodgepodge. Part of, I was a hodgepodge. Yeah. I was, um, yeah. It's no way to not be confused uh, <laughs> by the time you graduate. Um, so um, 
but a friend of mine who went through public school, he said that the, the one lesson that he learned through public school, and he came from a Christian home, his dad was a pastor, and he you know, went through the whole thing and w- was a faithful Christian. He said, but I learned by the time I graduated that uh, there were two kinds of things in the world. There were the things you know and the things that you believe. And the things that you know are the things that you learn in school. And the things that you believe are, you know, you can believe whatever you want, but those things don't have anything to do with your knowledge about the world, hmm. right? That the, the Christian stuff, and this is what he learned in public school, was that you can believe in God, but that's something that you do at home, and that's something that you do in church on Sunday. But when you're learning about the world, God has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Right. That's a separate, those are two separate things. And it said, he said it took him decades to bring those two things back together to the point that he understood that there is no knowledge about the world that isn't, that isn't connected with and growing out of the fear of the Lord. Well, and, and that just relates right back to what we would call the epistemology, right? How do we know what we know? How do we know it is true? And, and if, if what we're doing is enabling or sending our children to learn what is true from a source that that isn't from the creator, um, then then really we're setting them up for a false knowledge. And I wouldn't say that again. I, I went to public school. I grew up in public school. I think public school is different now well, than it fact, was twenty thirty years ago. That's kind of the question. Can you, from your perspective, Travis, can you give us a little bit of just how you've seen? I mean, give us a time frame in the last twenty years, uh, or, or maybe a little more on just how public school has progressed. Can you give us kind of a, a window in just your observation on, on where public school is now versus 20, 30 years ago? Because I, I went to public school also, and I like how you said uh, that the school will often mirror what we see in culture. Um, and, and at times, and, and I would say when I was younger, um, that mirror, while it was not Christian, I would not say it was looking at undoing Christian doctrines on a regular basis or kind of flying in the face of them. Where I would say now we are seeing much more of that um, and a little bit more boldness uh, to state the, uh, I think as you just kind of talked about, separation between God, between what we know, between belief, and and then the things that we're taught in school. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, we, we all, all Western civilizations, including the United States, are have been profoundly shaped and influenced by Christianity. Um, and so I, I think for a, for a long time we saw, even though the culture by and large had abandoned any sort of real commitment to Christianity, we still saw the residue of that in right. the sorts of assumptions that people made about the world. And over time, those assumptions have been challenged and have been replaced with other kinds of assumptions and other kinds of values and other kinds of goals. And so what you're seeing now is that the, 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 the education that is happening in public school is just becoming more consistent yes. with the other kinds of assumptions and the, the erosion, the sort of steady erosion of, of Christian assumptions about the world. Um, you know, the, the, I think it was Tim Keller that said there's only, there's only a couple really big questions, you know, who, who, uh, who am I? What's my purpose? Um, what's wrong with the world and what, if anything, will make it right. Right. So, so if you have Christian answers to those sorts of questions, who am I? What is my purpose? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with the world? And what, if anything, will put it right? Um, that's going to lead you to a very different, an education built on Christian answers to those questions is going to look very different than an education that's built on non-Christian or even anti-Christian answers to those sorts of questions. So, for example, you know, at our school, we, we teach the students that um, there is something wrong with you, <laughs> mm. right? That you are broken. Uh, you, you, have, you, you are living with the effects of the fall and that that works itself out in your life in all sorts of ways. And you need salvation. You need to be redeemed. Um, you need to be um, reconciled to God and, and to 
others around you. Um, the public education now is there is, is nothing wrong with is the va- is there's the nothing wrong opposite. with you, Bobby. You yeah. can you your goal in life is to just figure out who you are and what makes you happy, yep. and then to pursue that. Um, mm. And that's a, so there's a very different kind of answer to that question. And you can imagine. So, so what you're seeing now in the public school is just the outworking, I think, right. or in public education, at least in Hillsborough and with the, mm-hmm. with the, 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 this, ver, the, you know, this, these answers to these questions about yeah. what is human sexuality, what is love and all of these things are just the outworking of, of very different answers to those basic questions. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, can you... So you um, are not only part of a, a Christian school, but a classical Christian school. Um, can you help me, especially in our listeners, just what does that look like? What does that mean? So what is what is the difference between maybe a Christian school uh, or just uh, typical Christian school versus a classical Christian school? Uh, what, what are the distinctions there? That's a bit, We need to have a whole other episode just on that. Um, Maybe this was supposed to be the episode on that. So I, when I used to teach a theology class to the, to the students, I would say, you know, we're not just studying theology and learning theology and coming to our conclusions. We're, we're studying God's word with millions of Christians over thousands of years. This isn't a, this isn't just a conversation about theology that you and I, that we're having as a class. This is a conversation about theology that we're going to be bringing in all sorts of people who've been thinking about this and talking about this for centuries. And I would say the same thing with education. We're not the first people in the world to think about education. People have been thinking about education for thousands of years right. and, and more. And so a, a classical education is is really looking back and saying, how, how have, you know, where can we find in history uh, an, an understanding of education, what education is and what its purpose is, that is going to that is going to that is proven, time tested. That's going to serve us well, and that's actually going to accomplish in our children the the kinds of things that we want to accomplish. And so, looking back, what you find is that um, there have been more and less effective ways to educate. the The classical model of education really is focused on the whole person, um, and it's focused on on giving the student not just the skills that they need, but the tools that they need to be able to learn the things that they need to learn. And so when we talk, people talk about class, they they use that term classical education in lots of different ways. Some people mean by that a particular method of education. Some people mean by that a curriculum, like the text, the classical text that we use, uh, or the the seven liberal arts, grammar, logic, rhetoric, um, mathematics, geometry, astronomy, and music. Uh, some people, by that, by classical education, they mean a certain set of assumptions about the world and about okay. education so and what that means. Broad. It's a broad term. So just because so, you hear classical doesn't mean it's, you would still need to investigate and figure out what they mean by that. Yeah, but I okay. would say what you're going to find in a classical school is you're going to find that, that focus on tools of learning. You're going to find a focus on educating the whole child, not, not just intellectually, but also um, socially, emotionally, spiritually, uh, all of the physically. Um, and, and, and then you're also going to find a, a, a particular set of texts that students are going to study and interact with that are... Uh, classical texts, enduring texts, because of the, the kinds of questions that those texts raise, that those are uh, useful and thought-provoking conversations that have been happening for a long time. And we want to lead our, our children into those conversations so that they can participate and think about the things that they need to think about and understand the things that they need to understand in order to be the kind of people in the world that God has called them to be. Travis, is there a, a book, I know that we when we came to St. Stephen's, the first book that we were given was a classical conversation. Um, are there books that would help listeners who don't know what, or maybe they don't have that resource in the area, but have just would help them understand some of what, what we're talking about? There's a, there are a couple. Um, the, the book I give people always depends on what question they have. Um, I think there are different books about classical education that answer different kinds of questions. And so it, it's hard for me to just throw out one okay. particular book. Um, uh, there's a, a book called Wisdom and Eloquence by the authors. The last names of the authors are Little John and Evans, uh, which is a, a great 
introduction to a particular vision for what classical education is. Um, there's another short book by Christopher Perrin called, I think it's called classical education. <laughs> I, I, uh, Chris Perrin wrote just, it's a really short introduction to parents about okay. classical education. There's a, a more academic book, uh, a little bit more academic book by uh, David Hicks called Norms and Nobility. Okay. And I think that's one of the ones that really captures an aspect of what classical education is that uh, appeals to me. And that's the, Hicks argues that in the classical world, education was prescriptive which means that there was, a, there was always an end in view. There was a, an ideal. We were educating our children so that they would become something, and we all agreed in that culture, not that all what cultures that agreed, is. but we all agreed that, that what that something was going to be, sort of the ideal person, and we mm -hmm. wanted to push our children in that direction. So everything that was a part of education was designed with a purpose in mind to, to move our students in that direction. Yeah. And Hicks says that the modern education movement uh, abandoned prescriptive education and, and s replaced it with descriptive education. We're just going to describe the world and describe what people are. And this is consistent with all of the, the gender yep. fluidity sorts of things. Yep. So all we're doing is just describing the way people feel and act. Mm -hmm. um, we're not telling them how they should feel or how yep. they should act because that would be prescriptive and we can't do that anymore. But classical education has always been prescriptive. Yep. And that's why it, that's why it was um, picked up by the Christian church because they said, oh, yeah, if we're going to educate our children, we're going to educate them prescriptively. The yeah. ideal is Christ. We want our children to become Christ-like. And so even though so the Greeks might have substituted you know, Achilles or Odysseus or someone uh, as the ideal sort of person that you were supposed to be like, and mm -hmm. the Christian church said, no, it's not any of those. It's Christ is the ideal. And we want yeah. to, everything that we do in the education of our children is to move them in that direction so that they become more Christ-like. Okay. That's a that's a, a no, long sort of non-answer. Non I in, feel in a like way, you have spurred on. Like I'm very interested and intrigued. Like the whole idea that that classical education is looking at the whole person and moving them towards a desired goal versus we're going to just give you this knowledge and you just kind of go and evolve how you want and whatever you become, that's your goal. Because that's a little bit of now you decide your own destiny, your own identity and everything. Like choose your own adventure book. But, right. That's a little bit how education is right now. And so I really do just uh, appreciate and, and like how you were describing. So there's a desired goal, but then also bringing people into conversations that have already existed versus uh, your culture or your generation now is the most important generation and the, and the questions you are bringing up are the most important questions because really these questions have been answered in time what we're facing today and if we can look at how history and how different thoughts and processes have have wrestled with things we're so much more prepared and equipped to stand firm today and to know how to think versus we only zoom in here and now uh, because and I'm not as well versed, but I know that there's been conversations now on rewriting even history and rewriting yeah. on, on the way things have taken place in America and other, to, to make things um, culturally or socially uh, more acceptable um, or to remove those kind of... Uh, those areas that we we almost want to forget or or think that they didn't happen in our past, uh, but but classical education seems to be embracing what has taken place in history and what we can learn there uh, and entering into those conversations. Which that I don't know it sounds very intriguing. Uh, yeah, this and and so we're, we're I feel like we're talking more about sort of the philosophy of classical education in in practice. And I think that's the thing that, that most parents who encounter a classical or Christian education are more interested in the practice of it. Mm. And so what you find in the practice of it is that there, there's an, there's an um, so we talk about different stages of learning and, and we've given them labels that, that coincide with classical disciplines. So grammar, logic, and rhetoric. And we, and we tend to orient a classical education around those three Subjects. So we have uh, the the grammar stage is basically learn. You know, if you think about the grammar of language, it's sort of how it works, the rules of it. Um, logic is how do things fit together. 
uh, in a way that is coherent and and sensible and and um, and orderly. And then the rhetoric is how do we then take our understanding of the world and communicate it effectively to other people. So if you were to come to a classical Christian school like St. Stephen's, you would find that the students in the, in the grammar school, in the, in the lower school elementary grades, would be learning lots of facts. They would be um, uh, sort of reading widely. We're exposing them to as much as we can. We're having them memorize lots of different things. Um, it's a very orderly, very structured, but also fun environment. Um, as they get into the middle school, they're, they're studying logic. They're taking formal logic. And they're which, also which if, if he would have had logic in middle school, he would have known to turn his ringer off on That's his more computer. etiquette probably oh, than etiquette. logic, okay, but, just <laughs> which we also teach. And that's an aspect of rhetoric is rhetoric is, you know, how do you, <laughs> how do you, um, uh, communicate in a way that's effective, but also how do you present yourself, uh, in a way that's going to, accomplish whatever purpose you have in in a particular encounter so it's the same sort of thing you don't wear a you know you don't wear a um you don't wear a pink tuxedo to your friend's wedding right uh because that would probably or it would probably be inappropriate um the bride might get a little yeah and so there's you know things like protocol and etiquette uh uh, are, are another aspect of that that we teach students. Again, it's all, it all goes back to the tools of learning. We teach them the grammar of subjects so that they understand that every subject has a grammar to it. It has a, sort of the basic components, the basic pieces, and, and those need to be understood and then put together. We teach them logic because everything has a logic to it. God created a, a world that is orderly and can be studied and understood. And there are things like you know the law of non-contradiction that hold true and that, that help us avoid a lot of nonsense. Um, and then we teach them the rhetoric, which is how do you, how do you engage any sort of subject and, mm. and be able to understand it, break it down, figure out what it is, put it back together, make it, make an argument, anticipate what the objections to that argument are going to be and, and answer those objections. Um, that which was so helpful because today it's, it's, I think you, it's just, we'll just give you this information. Sure. And as long as you can, you know, just, you know, repeat it back or, or whatever it is on a test. Yeah, fill in the You're bubbles. Good to go yeah. versus no, we, we really want to help you think and to know how to process and how to work through, um, yeah, issues that you're able to then as you move out into the real world, um, actually, you know, contribute to society in a way that that moves the conversation forward and the moves that helps one another. Uh, the, I think it's very helpful. Yeah. You brought up the question at the beginning, which is maybe a good time to address it about the, the, you know, Christian bubble idea that, that is oftentimes, yeah. you know, people bring that up when they're talking about Christian education. Um, we probably shouldn't have waited till 37 minutes into the it's, podcast yeah. to address this question because I think time, it's but yes. on the forefront of people's minds. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the analogy that I've given to parents when we, when we have this conversation is I, I say, you're, when you have a child, uh, your, your hope is that someday they will be able to drive and navigate the roads skillfully and lawfully. But when they're two, you keep them out of the road. You, you stay away from the road. Roads are dangerous yeah. places for two-year-olds. Um, when they're seven, you don't give them the car keys and say, hey, would you run down to the store and pick up something? They're not prepared to do that. The goal as with each stage as the child grows is to figure out you know, where they are, w what yeah. they need yeah. in order to prepare them for the time when they're going to be driving off yeah. without you in the car. Um, if you Never. do that, if you do that too early, your child is, is going to get flattened. Yeah. yeah. They're going to, they're going to kill themselves yeah. or injure themselves or injure somebody else. And so this question of the bubble, it's not so much the bubble in the sense that we're trying to insulate our children from the world. We're trying to prepare them and equip them to go out into the world and to be what the world needs. Yes. And so, so it's very much, again, it's a, it's, I, I, I would always want to promote a, a positive view of what Christian education is and what it accomplishes rather than just a, a, a refuge from the world. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it is both. I mean, right? I mean, I, I'll just say for, 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 for my family, for you know, I'm just my personal story with stepping into uh, private Christian school, this was our first year. We also went from a relatively... Um, conservative area 
up to where we are now. And our kids went to a public school last year with my wife. My wife is a public school teacher. We see the public schools as a mission. Um, and, and that was my approach as well as a pastor. Like, no, I'm going to keep my kids in public school. That's a place for us to be missional. Mission, 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 right? And so I'm going to ask you in a, in a second, how does Christian education relate to the mission of the church? Because... I, w- I want to hear your answer. I, I think I know your answer, but I want to hear it. Um, I'll just say this. Uh, I would pay all the tuition I pay just for my daughter. Now, she isn't the only one that's benefited from this. But just to see all of the negative messages that she was getting for seven hours a day, and not because of necessarily the teacher. She had a great teacher. Um, but everything else that was happening in the classroom all of the, honestly, the sexual messages that she was receiving, the self-image messages, the identity messages that she, she was receiving, she would come home and, and she, would, she would self-deprecate. She would, I hate myself. She would hit herself. She'd say she's ugly. There's things that she would say. It's a seven-year-old girl. Yeah. What do you do when your seven-year-old daughter is doing that? Um, and and like, this is a pastor's kid like yeah. she's getting the gospel like we're loving her and, ch- and teaching her the gospel but she's getting a different message for seven hours a day look she has i have not seen any of that behavior any of it from september till now none and and not to say that my other two kids didn't benefit they did greatly josiah is flying i mean they they are happy children uh uh, they're, they're 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 just able to be children. No, really, what it is is they're able to actually be children. No, I relate my and, my children. They, especially one of them would would cry, um, oftentimes before we'd go to school and just beg not to go. And all of a sudden, we'd find out things that happened the day before. Yeah, and it was just hard. Um, yeah, yeah. And, 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 so, yeah, and I and I would just add to that that you know it, it it's it was a one pastor that was asked why he sends his kids to Christian school. And he said, because there's lots of sin there. Um, <laughs> and, and, but, but the sin is dealt with biblically. Yeah. And so it's yeah. not as though we're, we're it's totally. not as though we're sending our kids to Christian school because, you know, they're not going to have to deal with difficult yeah. things or difficult people. They are going to deal with difficult things, but they're going to deal with it in an environment where again, we're, we're all yeah. uh, living under the authority of God's word yeah. with, with love for Christ and love for one another um, and and that becomes the you know the gospel becomes yeah. the 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 principle that that governs all of our interactions. Well, and I think so. that and I think that then it plays out in every relationship, especially from you know going from the principal all the way down, that it does take an effect on the school and it changes the attitude and the culture within the school. And and just to jump on something you said a while ago, which I think is helpful. I, I do think that there are a lot of Christian parents who do perceive sending their Christ, their kids to a Christian school as simply escapism. And and because of that, we're not going to do that. That was me. I, I think that was, I don't need that. We're good. You know, I'm, I'm not going to pull my kids out of the world and, and hide them. It's like admitting defeat. It's it, like. It was. Yeah. And I mean, we, we've had, yeah. I, I have a superhero complex. We, <laughs> there is no defeat. <laughs> we will conquer. <laughs> Uh, and, and you know, there's just, there, a lot of times there's there's pride and arrogance in that, and there's a lack of understanding of of the culture and, and what is happening around you. But really, I, I think it's a lack of understanding of of the benefits of like Christian school, as you were talking about. It's really the the preparation for what kind of what what are we hoping to accomplish in this school and for these seven, eight hours a day each day. And so I, I think that's real helpful how you've communicated it. And I think as as parents, we need to really make sure we realize it's not necessarily an escapism. And that's not even the the probably the it should not even be the primary thought, but rather the shaping of the child, bringing them up in the way of the Lord, training them in the fear of the Lord, um, surrounding them with people who share um, uh, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that that is the goal, that we're moving people towards Christ. I mean, that that changes the conversation completely from escapism to 
and that might always be a factor. Maybe, maybe it's, but it should not be the primary. I think it is the equipping them and training them so, um, into Christ. So I want to make mention of something that you said early in our conversation together. Before. But you already have a question for him. Well, we do. And already, we already have a question on the table. How the, many? <laughs> yes, and the, and then this is the question, right? How how does yeah. how does Christian education support? The church. So, and, and that's an important question. So in our mission at our school, we say that St. Stephen's Academy exists to support families and churches. So we, we really do. And, and so when you talk about the school being a support or Christian education being a support, that, that's not just a word that we take lightly. That's really is the identity of, of what a Christian school ought to be, that it exists to support. Um, there's no, there's no, there is a warrant in scripture, a strong warrant for educating our children Christianly, but God didn't set up Christian schools necessarily, unless you think about the nation of Israel in the Old Testament obviously had, um, uh, you know, the, the community would, edu- would, would, would educate children together. Um, but so God has given the authority uh, to parents to educate their children. The charge in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, the passages that you read is to parents. The, the, the charge in Ephesians 6 is to parents to educate their children. And so we, we see ourselves as coming alongside and saying, hey, let's, let's pool our resources together and provide the kind of education that we want for our children as parents. Um, but I think further than that, as far as the church, uh, the school ought to be a complement to the things that the, the, the mission of the church, the, the mission of the church, I, it would be hard to make the case that, that God has given the church the responsibility to teach chemistry um, or, or to teach uh, geography or how to write an essay. You know, those are things that we want our kids to know and understand, but they're not directly uh, something that God has, they're, they're not directly within the mission of the church um, but they are something that, that um, parents are responsible to do with their children. And I think that the church ought to support parents in their efforts to educate their children Christianly, whatever that's going to look like. And so, um, so in that sense, all of the things that the church is trying to accomplish, a Christian school ought to be looking for ways to reinforce those things um, in, in terms of day-to-day instruction. And then I think the other way that the school supports the church is by graduating, not just graduating, cultivating uh, Christians who are going to be involved in the local church, who are going to love the local church, um, who are going to be the people that you're going to be looking to in the future to be uh, leaders in the church, uh, people who understand the scripture, who people who can think and speak clearly. The church needs, the, the world needs people that can do that. The church needs people that can do that. I think that was one of the big drivers for me in wanting to be a part of Christian education is my sense that the church needs thinking Christians. Yeah. And so... Can, can I ask you how... How does something like that look? How do you, um, from from the school position, seek to cultivate that where these students, as they're growing, and uh, that they're seeing the need to be uh, a part, not not to spectate, but actually be a part of the church. Uh, how how do you cultivate that from your from the from the position that you have um, at school? Uh, how do you lead them towards greater involvement in church? I, d- I don't know that we're... I mean, I, I could say generally the way that we're doing that is by by teaching them what the church is. I mean, through okay. through our, you know, the, the instru- you know, looking to scriptures, looking to history, and talking to them about the church, the importance of the church, and giving them some sort of a framework for thinking about the 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 reasons why God established the church and the, and, and and what it's intended to accomplish, what the mission of the church is, and, and then encouraging them to embrace that and to look for ways to serve. You know, the, a school like ours, we have, 
we serve families from probably 50 or 60 different churches right. in the okay. area. And so, um, and, and all of those churches are going to be different. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think it's just, it's just that constant, once we have that commitment, it's going to come out in lots of different ways in the curriculum and in the conversations that we have with students, um, you know, and, and the expectation is that they're, uh, that they're going to be involved in their church. And so we, we assume that, and then all of the things that we say are, are reinforcing, reinforcing that. Okay. No, I mean, it has to be hard when, there's only so much you can do, I mean, with 50 or 60 churches with different structures and different things. Uh, but no, I, I think maybe, maybe that's a, yeah. I mean, the, start. Yeah, and the, the, the Anglican church or the Episcopal churches used to have church schools where the, the, the headmaster of the school was a, an ordained minister in the church and they would have a chapel there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, the, and, and there was very little, um, there, there, was, there was no division between church and school. It was right. a church school. It was the same thing. We, we're pretty careful to try to respect the boundaries between church, family, and school, that we're not yeah. the church. The school is not the church. The school is not the family. The school is a school. It's there to support and complement what the what God has called families and churches to do. Um, and so we, we have to be careful that we don't cross that. So I want to I want to circle back to mission because uh, the, the the mission of the school is to support the church to help to help prepare young men and women um, who will think theologically, who will live as light in the world. And, and just something that you said to me early in our conversation was, yeah, we're supposed to send them out as light, but we have to prepare that light. Like that, that's, that has stuck with me, Travis, because that's my, my children. We need to prepare that light. Because I don't look at the world as a... We're still to be missional, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And the public school is a place of mission. That's why we. That's why we send teachers. That's why we send educators. That's why we we send um, adults. And and so we're not abandoning them. Uh, you know, as as the, as the church, we're not abandoning the public school as mission by taking our kids to private school. I had to realize that what I'm doing is I'm preparing my children to be light to the children in public school to our neighbors. And then maybe someday as teachers or as administrators or as whatever kind of staff they, they might be, right. there's, there's, we're not abandoning the mission. But our first mission as parents is to disciple our children. Right. And, and so that, that became just very evident for me that we needed to do something different. So if you're considering education, if you're considering private uh, school education, Christian education, um, or just considering all the issues that are happening inside the public school, uh, uh, I would just exhort, especially to pastors. I mean, it, it took a long time for me to come to the place where I felt okay taking my kids out of public school because I thought it was mission. Well, I think, <clears throat> I mean, just to go back to that, I think that there was um, a push throughout much of Christendom here in America for, especially in the 2000s, um, that to be missional is to be in the world. You know, you need to be at the public school or, or whatever it is. And it was, it was almost looked down upon to then put them in a Christian school because you were seen as abandoning mission. I mean, yeah. a- another concept of that is adoption became very trendy too in in Christianity in the 2000s. Um, you're going to adopt? Of course you're going to adopt. Where are you going to adopt? Ooh, you adopted domestic? Ooh, not international? You know, it became a trendy type <laughs> thing where, where all of a sudden, you know, people are, are going forward in these things but not thinking through. Um, we're only hearing one side of a conversation. And that was for me, like when it came to uh, Christian school, it was, well... I can't do that. It's escapism. We got to be mission. Yep, yep. Um, and I just wasn't even beginning to think more holistically about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I really think probably one of the most helpful things you said, uh, Travis, was just in the beginning with your analogy on going from a a babysitter to someone that's going to watch my kids for a week yeah. to someone that's going to watch them for twelve years at eight hours a day. I mean, almost at that, I'm just going, why would I ever think anything else? Um, 
and again, nothing. Uh, public school is great if, if that's where you go. Great, but but especially for where I'm at now and seeing the <clears throat> the need to train our children in such a way that they they're pursuing Christ, that they're being shaped by the very doctrines of Scripture, that there are people who love them, that are praying for them, uh, that there is a culture built around the gospel. Um, I'm just seeing the need for that more and more, and especially as you're talking about for the purpose of of seeing a desired result when our kids, you know, eventually graduate from high school, that they are becoming this type of person, someone who's made in Christ, who's able to think, who's able to wrestle uh, with questions, uh, who understands uh, doctrine, who understands the culture of this world. I, I think we're just seeing a greater need for that uh, in today's world. And so that, that was really helpful for me just wrestling or hearing you say that. Travis, is there any anything else uh, um, that you feel we should know either about um, classical Christian education or just Christian education um, or the mission of Christian education or St. Stephen's in particular to the church? The, the things that are on my mind that I don't think have been addressed very well yet in our conversation are um, one of the big ones is the issue of accessibility. Um, and I know that that's a question that a lot of people yeah. have in terms yeah. of the, the cost. You know, we would love to, yeah, sure. All things being equal, I'd love to have my kids in an environment where they're being taught, you know, the gospel mm-hmm. every day. But I, I don't, I don't, I only have, you know, so much in terms of resources. And, and to, to that question, I would just say that the, the, you know, I can speak from uh, the situation that I'm in as a school um, you know, if you have enough families that are able to pay for the cost of education, uh, then you're going to have the resources to provide scholarships for the families that yeah. aren't able to pay. Yeah. Um, and that's been our, I don't think that we've ever turned anyone away for lack of ability to pay. We've always been able to find a way to do that. And so if someone is concerned about the, 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 you know, the cost of education, which is significant. I mean, I, I don't like, actually don't like the term private school or private education because it, it sort of has this, you know, exclusive air right. to it. It's like a private driveway or something like that that only certain so, people can use. I think that, you know, it's privately funded rather than publicly funded, which is right. where the term comes from. Um, I like independent schools better, okay. that, that as a, as a, a, a label. Sure. You know, it's an independent school in the sense that we're not governed by, uh, you know, whatever uh, ideas come out of the Department yeah. of Education. So um, so our curriculum is independent and those sorts of things. But we, we do still have to pay for it, and it is funded by parents and by people that God has given the resources to be able to, that, that have a passion for what it is that we're doing. And so I think that the cost um, becomes, I, I don't think it's as big of a barrier as people might think it is. So you would, if I hear what you're saying, you would encourage people, if they're considering uh, independent education at St. Stephen's, uh, to come and pursue scholarships and pursue a conversation about how how they can make it or how, if St. Stephen's can help make it affordable. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, and we, we talk about accessible rather than affordable. I mean, education's not, I mean, public education in Oregon, I think it costs like $15,000 per student yeah. per year, and that doesn't include facilities. Yeah. So that's just the cost of instruction. So it, education's expensive no matter where you go. It just mm-hmm. so happens that with the, with the public school, the cost is spread out. Yeah, the cost, it, it's publicly funded, so everybody's paying for it involuntarily, yeah. whether they whether they use they it use or it not. Yeah. Um, and so, so it's not affordable, um, but we yeah. can do things to make it accessible. And so, I would say, you know, for families that that have a desire for a Christian education or education in a Christian environment, to 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 begin that conversation yeah. with with the school that they want to be at and, and ask, is there any way that we can make this, that, that, that this can be accessible to our family because we want it. And I, and I know all of the Christian educators that I know desperately want to make this as accessible as we possibly can. Yeah. Um, I think the other accessibility question is location. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that don't live by a Christian school. Yeah. And so they have limited options. And, and that's something that, 
you know, all I can say is I hope that we can all start more schools yeah. uh, around the country to make it more accessible in, in, in that way. You know, you <clears throat> you said earlier uh, the mission of the church, I mean, is is not to teach chemistry and stuff like that. Uh, however, like in our conversation, I mean, the mission of the church, uh, I mean, is to make disciples. And as parents, we're called to shepherd our children. Uh, and so... So very indirectly, it is to teach chemistry, very indirectly. Uh, I don't know, it just kind of has me thinking as you're talking accessibility and, and cost. Cost is always, it's one of the first things that comes up, I think, on people's radar. Well, that's not even possible. Right. And so I think, I think it's great to hear we should begin the conversation. <clears throat> I don't know where this frog in the throat's coming from. Uh, I need more coffee. But, uh, but, you know, just wondering through, like, it seems that it would be great and to see churches more support the, the, the schools. And again, I, I, think, I think you almost have to get through the, it's not escapism, but, but what's the purpose of it uh, about helping um, train children up um, in, in a way that honors God? But, but if, if churches were able to come alongside, especially you know when you're talking, you've got 50 churches, well, if each church was able to see it also as a mission and, you know, give whatever, we'll just say $1,000. I mean, all of a sudden, though, the, the potential for scholarships and other things would be amazing. I, I have a, a, a theory that I don't know how to test whether or not it's true. My theory is that if, if every Christian that could afford uh, a Christian education for their children were to do that, we would have plenty of resources to support all the Christian families that can't afford it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I mean, that's, that's true in our school that the families that come that are, that have, that God has given them the resources to be able to afford it, you know, that provides us with enough and then donations and other sorts of things. Um, I do think that churches, I, I do think pastors and churches ought to think seriously ab about that question. How can we support the families in our church in in the Christian education of their children, or how can we how can we support them as they seek to fulfill their responsibility as Christian parents to educate their children Christianly, whatever that looks like, and and if that means going to a Christian school, then then the church ought to be interested in supporting that work. If it's homeschool, the church ought to be interested in supporting that. Um, if it's public school, the church ought to be interested in supporting parents in, in that endeavor. And that and all of those are going to look different. But yeah. um, hmm. I do think that churches need to answer that kind of question. And I think, yeah, I, I think it's a, of the 50 churches that we draw from, there are two that su directly support the families in their church with scholarships to come to St. Stephen's. There are two. And I talked to, I had a, we had our accreditation visit recently, and so there were three other uh, administrators from other schools around the country, and I asked them how many churches support the work, and they all said zero. So that you have two is... Pretty extraordinary. Pretty extraordinary. And also sort of sad. Well, you know, yeah. but, <laughs> yeah. but honestly, I mean, until, you know, even sitting here with you and having the conversation and just hearing, you know, your heart and... and and the way you've communicated it, you know, I, I hadn't necessarily thought of, you know, how do we as a church come alongside the Christian school? I mean, it, it's very, it becomes individual. This family's doing it. This family's doing it. And sure, if we can help in a general way, we, we would. But, but really seeing that as part of the mission, uh, yeah, we're not, we're not going out and necessarily evangelizing the world at that moment, but we're, we're, we're equipping and we're training for the purpose of helping people become more like Christ. <laughs> because we yeah. know the world needs Christian chemists. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's uh, it, things to think about. Hmm. Yeah. We're good. Well, we probably... Uh, oh, we've flown way over. <laughs> there is no way <laughs> over. We have no bar. But, it, but it's good. It's good. Yeah, no, really appreciate you coming and sharing. Uh, it, it's been good. Man, just for me, uh, you've challenged my thinking, intrigued my 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 thinking quite a bit. I'm yeah, I got to think about some stuff on on Christian education. Well, it's been a pleasure to be here with you guys. Yeah. You want to pray it up? I'll pray. Yeah, uh, Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you, um, Lord, that you've given us uh, a mind, uh, Lord, that 
that part of being made in your image is to think and to think well and to think deep. Um, and, and Lord, that you've given us each other, that you've given us children, Lord, that, that we're responsible to care for, to disciple, to educate. Uh, and, and Lord, our desire is that we do that well. Our desire is that, uh, that we raise uh, children who are disciples of the next, um, into the next generation, Lord, that proclaim your name. And I, I think of Psalm 145, that one generation will proclaim your glory to another, Lord, that, that, that will speak of all the wonderful things that your mighty deeds, oh God. Um, and so, Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom, that you give wisdom to those who are listening as, as many are wrestling through, where do I send my kids to school? Do we keep them in public education? Do we find a, a private school? Lord, um, would you just grant wisdom? Would you grant discernment? Lord, would you grant provision? Uh, Lord, would you um, lead in such a way, Lord, that it's clear that, that they're able to um, shepherd and educate their children well? Uh, Lord, we pray for St. Stephen's. Uh, we pray for uh, St. Stephen's and the, and the mission of all Christian schools. I know Nick's uh, children go to his school as well. We just pray that you would flourish them, that you'd flourish these schools, Lord, that are training and raising up children uh, in the gospel. Uh, thank you for this time. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to satisfiedinchrist.life. Uh, well, actually, that's our website. That's website. Yeah, we kind of keep saying that. You keep saying that. Uh, satisfied in Christ. You can go to our website, which is satisfiedinchrist.life. L-I-F-E. Yes. I think you have spelt it on every single episode, haven't you? You make me. Nah, <laughs> I do. Uh, check out our resource page. Um, all the books that were mentioned, we'll make sure they have there um, on that page. Also, the uh, the link to St. Stephen's will be there, so uh, you can you can see more about that school. And uh, if you have any questions, please uh, go to our comment page, and we'd love to answer them. Satisfied in Christ. Online.